So we've been in a series called How Sweet the Sound, and what we're doing is we're going through some of the most iconic hymns that the church has sang for hundreds of years. Some of these uh, hymns we know, like last week we talked about Amazing Grace, um, written by a very famous author. Do you guys remember who wrote Amazing Grace? John who? Oh, come on, come on guys. John Newton. John Newton. John Newton. Remember that. Uh, we talked about how his nickname was called the Great Blasphemer, and uh, we really looked at the uh, iconic hymn of Amazing Grace and the power through that. And today we're looking at another one that we actually haven't sang here at the Rock Church, um, but we are going to sing towards the end, and we'll have an opportunity for you guys, if you want to come down and receive prayer, um, uh, Phyllis and I will be available to pray for you guys. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some other iconic hymns. Next week, we're talking about I'll Fly Away. Um, and we'll be ending the series talking about It Is Well. And so uh, it's just, I, it's, it's going to be one of my favorite uh, series just because I like music. Anyone here, anyone here, anyone here like music, right? Right? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying, all right? Because music is kind of the core of who, uh, as, as, as I think, is a godly characteristic. If you look out through uh, the Bible, there's songs written for God and worship songs. And even the whole book of Psalms is uh, just various songs that various authors have put together. Uh, and so we're going to go through um, these hymns and really kind of pull out some deep uh, truths, but also kind of see what does God want us to learn from these songs that we've sang for hundreds of years. Uh, just like any song, if you sing it enough, uh, it can tend to lose its power. It can kind of just be kind of go, go through a lip service. And uh, our prayer at the Rock Church is that we wouldn't fall in that rut, just going through a lip service, but really bringing our praises before God. Uh, before God. And that is why uh, with our worship, we've kind of restructured just a little bit, because we don't want you just to watch us worship, but we, but we want you to engage in worship. Amen. We want you to know how to worship, uh, really meet Jesus in that time of worship and to go kind of uh, that extra mile uh, right there. How many of you guys know God wants to hear your worship? Can we, start, can we start from there? If you don't, you should know that. God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you worship. It's one of the ways that uh, we are in tune ourselves with God's spirit. And so we want to make sure that we look at these hymns and just see what are the deep truths about this. And so if you missed out, you can go on the rocknp.com and catch up all right there. But today we're talking about a hymn called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a Friend We Have in Jesus. This hymn states something very, uh, very powerful, and it recognizes something that, even though it was written some time ago, it still points to something we experience today, and that's the experience of hardships. In fact, if you look at any real song, any songs out there, a lot of them deal with a hardship, Christian or secular, it doesn't matter. A lot of our songs come out of a place of hardship, come out of a place of despair, come out of a place of just agonizing pain. Uh, and so this is one of those things that talks about uh, our hardships, the experience of hardships. Right now, you either are in a hardship or you know someone going through a hardship. Right now, you're either in a hardship or you know someone going through a hardship. But I want to let you know, God is not a distant God. He wants to meet you in that place of hardship. And this is what that hymn talks about. It, it talks about God meeting you right there in the midst of your agony, uh, through your trials, through your struggles. And if you're not going through that, at the very least, you know someone that is going through that. And sadly, if you're not having a bad day, you can jump on any social media account and you can see bad day after bad day after bad day. For some reason, our world's just full of bad days. But what's cool about the bad days is that we as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God meets us in those places, and he brings us encouragement. And too many times I think we come into church and we come in smiling, but on the inside you're, you're hurting. And let me tell you, that's okay to do that because I believe this is the best place for you to, to come to church and to gather with other believers and to really celebrate God together and, and hear, hear a word and really kind of edify your spirit. But it's this hymn that we're talking about that speaks directly to your hardships. It's this hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, that talks about our agony and also gives us a way to handle our hardships. So if you guys can, open up your message guide notes. I want to read the first uh, stanza, if you will, of what a friend we have in Jesus. It's right here. You can follow along. But this is what it says. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Everyone say prayer. Everything to God in in prayer. Right off the bat, I want us to give us a piece of scripture. We're actually going to come back to it at the end of the message and really kind of dissect it, see what it's talking about. But Paul wrote a piece of scripture in Philippians 4, 6. You can open your Bibles there. We'll kind of camp out there just for a little bit. But he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says. It kind of goes along this theme of prayer. It says this in verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, Post on Facebook about your hardships. No. <laughs> Come on, guys. No. What does it say? Does it say talk to your friends about it? No. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And he doesn't even just say, just keep it right there. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Again, this hymn that we're, uh, maybe you're not familiar with, but it's around this, the centerpiece of prayer. And for a lot of us, maybe we have a strong prayer, prayer life this morning, but I would think majority of us, maybe we kind of, we, we know prayer lip service, but we don't know prayer. Like, what does it mean to pray? What is the power behind prayer? And here's my hope today. My hope is that you will develop a true and sincere love for the presence of God through prayer. Through prayer. In fact, I think that's your first point in your notes. That you will develop a true and sincere love for the presence of God through prayer. That my prayer is this. Too many Christians don't understand the power of prayer. They, they don't understand it. Maybe you're here and you don't understand it. And let me tell you, that's okay because I didn't understand it until about eight years ago. Prayer is something that I think we conjure up bigger, uh, maybe more complicated, maybe a little bit boring. Maybe uh, you have to do it in a certain way. But prayer is actually very simplistic but yet very powerful. In fact, prayer is your com communication, I dare say, your lifeline to God. It's something that you shouldn't just do over your meals and just leave it at that. There's power to prayer. And so I want to go off the bat before we talk about what is prayer. I want to get rid of just some few misconceptions about prayer, uh, misconceptions that I personally had. Uh, and maybe you've had these today. And so hopefully we can debunk these for you uh, because prayer is not complicated. It's not boring. Uh, it's not something that only good prayers can do. Uh, everyone here, you have access to prayer. You have access to our God the Father through prayer. And so the first misconception that I had is this. Prayer is complicated. Prayer is complicated. I think a lot of us, we, we, we tend to think that prayer is complicated, or we complicate what prayer 
is. Uh, many of us, I think maybe we hear our prayers and we compare our prayers to, to someone else. And, uh, and what happens is when you compare your prayers to someone else, uh, you mess up your own prayers. Have, have you guys heard of like professional prayers before? Right, like professional, uh, prof- like, 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 like they're super good at praying, and, and it seems like, man, like, my prayers don't sound like that. And you try to copy what they do, and what happens, it becomes inauthentic, and it's not really prayer. It's just you're just copying what other people do, and it's complicating. It does complicate your prayer life, but prayer, sh- it should not and is not complicated. Or maybe you feel like you need to speak a certain way or, or do prayer in a formulated way. Uh, this is what got me. This is what made me think prayer is complicated. Uh, I was told that you need to pray first thing early in the morning. Like the earlier, the more holier your prayer was going to be. So like I would wake up early, like, like not like super early, but like 5 o'clock in the morning and pray. I did it well for the first couple times, but do you know what would happen? I would pray, and I would fall asleep. And I'd wake up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, that was hard, but if I need to fall asleep, I'll just pray, right? And so we think prayer is, just, is, is, is complicated. Then, then I was told that you need to pray for a certain amount of time, and so I tried that, and you know what happened? I prayed, and I fell asleep. Like, I would fall asleep. And, and then I was told when you pray that, like, you need to pray, like, a, a hedge of protection around myself and the devil. And, and so I did that, and I was confused, like, why landscaping would scare the devil away. And only one person got that one. That was, that was, a, that was a good one. That was, <laughs> but, like, I, I would do that, and then I would fall asleep. And more times than not, my prayer life was related to, like, can I fall asleep or not? In fact, it got to the point when I was younger, I would pray so that I could fall asleep at night. Totally missed the whole things of what prayer really is. And so, like, I, I would try to follow all these different things. And I would try to copy, uh, like, the professional prayers. Like, you, you know who the professional prayers are. Like, they know Jesus and, like, all of his nicknames. You know, like, Jesus and, like, Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi and, and all the Yahwehs and all that stuff. And they would quote scripture. And so I would copy that, and I wasn't very good at it. Like, I was not. Like, like, I would mess it up. Now, I don't think I said this, but I could say it. But I'd be like, God, like, you are Jehovah, like, Nissan, Honda, and, like, you guys laugh at me. I heard your prayers before. And, like, you know, God, you're good to, the, like, the last drop, and you're, it says in Scripture somewhere, like, like, you're always a good neighbor. You're always there. And it's just, it's, it's and like, it doesn't go well. And I would try to copy this, and what happened, it would actually complicate my prayer. I want to let you know this morning, prayer is not complicated. You don't have to address God and Jesus and all of his nicknames and all these different things. You you can quote scripture if you want to, but if you don't know it, don't feel like you have to. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. We complicate prayer. I think we do that all the time. So that was the first misconception I had. The second misconception I had was that prayer is boring. Everyone say boring. I would try all the things I was told, and I would get so bored, I would fall asleep. And when we don't understand prayer, we can get bored. And when we get bored, our mind starts to wander. Anyone here have ADD prayers? Like you pray, like like you're in line and you're like holding hands. I don't know if I, I, we hold hands at the end of you know, when we pray with our team, but we're praying and you know, I don't know. My mind kind of does this: like God, you sent your son. You know he was forsaken. 
forsaken, poor bacon, bacon, bacon. Babe, do we have any bacon? Like, that's, like, I'm, I'm being real with you. Like, my head does that. And so, like, you, you try to get there, and, and we end up boring our prayers. And really, prayer life is not boring. It's not. Prayer is not boring. The third misconception about prayer is this. Prayer doesn't work. Why should I pray if prayer doesn't work? If prayer really worked, why wasn't my grandma healed? Why did my day go better? Why am I still facing this trial and this struggle? Why am I still having this addiction? If prayer really works, then why am I still wrestling with this? So we don't pray because of the misconception of prayer doesn't work. When our prayers aren't answered, we begin to think maybe we did something wrong. Or maybe God doesn't like us as much because of our prayers. Or maybe we need to attain a certain level of holiness before God actually hears the words of our prayers. I'm telling you, that's not how it works because prayer does work. It does. Here's what we need to recognize, church. We're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, hard-to-please God. We're, we're actually we're praying to a loving and caring God who actually calls us friend. And if that doesn't really kind of ring with your spirit this morning, I hope by the time we're done, it does because it is a massive thought to even think of that the God who created all of this calls you friend. And it's actually a privilege. John 15, 15, he, this is what Jesus says. Uh, this is Jesus talking, and some of your Bibles might be in red, but this is, this is Jesus. And he says this, he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my what? Friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Please realize this, church. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, and the, the, the very God that created the entire earth and holds time and everything in his hands, this cosmic, wonderful, supernatural God, he comes down and he says, I call you friend. You're messing all. I call you friend. such a privilege to have in this hymn that we're looking at let me just share you what what's happening here what a friend we have in jesus this hymn the author is named uh, joseph scriven he was an irish man in the 1800s and uh, he got engaged to his childhood sweetheart and so at a young age uh, they think he was about 16 or 17 years old uh, he's about to get married and so days just before the wedding uh, him and his fiance were going to meet at a uh, stream and so they said hey let's meet up at the stream uh, they're going to talk or do whatever uh, they were going to do. Um, but his fiance decided to ride horseback. And just moments before he arrived at the meeting location, uh, she got there and the horse bucked her off and her head uh, struck a rock and she rolled in the river and drowned to death. And seconds later, he rides up and finds out that his fiance died. And so grief stricken, uh, a few years later, he couldn't handle it anymore. So he moved to Canada. And so he goes to Canada and he falls in love with another woman at a young age. And uh, they decide, hey, let's get married. And so just weeks before the wedding, they're getting things together, and she comes down with this really bad sickness, and she has pneumonia. And they're trying to work on her and trying to do all this stuff and trying to help her out. Um, but to no avail, she dies just another week before the wedding. So this author, he's had two fiancés die. Moments later, after the funeral, he gets a letter from his mom saying that she's dying, and she'll be dead in a few days in Ireland. And he has no money to get to his mom. 
And so he writes her back, and he, he, he's trying to figure out, what do you write in the midst of hardships like this? Like, like, we think we have a hardship when McDonald's gets our order wrong. Like, that's how, like, our, our brain works. But there are people out there that have hardships like this guy. He's lost two fiancés. His, his mom is on her deathbed. He has no way to go to be with his mom. And so what can he possibly write to, to, to even to help out this time in hardship? And this is what he writes down. And what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. And what to a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's amazing when you have a close relationship with God what you decide to do first in the midst of turmoil. And that's the reason I want to talk about this because right now when we get bad news or we get in the midst of a hardship or something doesn't go the way we want, my prayer is that after this we would take everything to God in prayer first. I know that seems weird. I know it seems counterproductive. I know it seems like if I can go do this and this first, then I'll get to God later. Let me tell you, I have found it very beneficial in the worst of the worst news that I have ever gotten to take it to God in prayer first. It has helped me out so much more than doing anything else I could possibly do. And this is why, James 5.16, this is why I want us to take prayer to God First, it's, it's talking about the confession of sins, but it comes there shortly after that first sentence. He says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Why do we take everything to God in prayer? Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That is why we pray. That is why as the Rock Church, we pray multiple times before the service even starts. We are in God's presence. We are praying to God. Because we know prayer is powerful. Here's the truth about your prayers. You need to know this, church. Your prayers, even if you don't think so, they are heard. Your prayers are heard, and your prayers are powerful. Your, pray, your, your prayers is the way to actually defeat the devil. Your prayer is the way to restore the fallen. Your prayers is the way to actually move the mountains that you're currently facing. The prayer is the way to calm the storm that's rocking your boat at this moment. Your prayer is the way to encounter God's presence and to know his will for your life and to experience God's peace. That is why we pray. That is why God calls us to prayer. Because there's nothing more powerful than entering God's presence and praying at his feet. That is why we pray. Prayer is not boring. Prayer is not ineffective. And prayer is not complicated. It is crazy what a simple prayer can do. And that is why we take it to the Lord in prayer. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to show you what prayer is all about. I'm gonna, uh, hopefully I can kind of strike this in your spirit this morning because prayer is not complicated. It's not boring. It's not ineffective. But let me show you exactly how simple prayer is. Show you what prayer is. And then actually at the end of service, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to put it to practice. This is how simple prayer is. So what is prayer? Number one is this. In prayer, sometimes you talk to God. Like literally, as I'm talking to you this morning, you can talk to God. 
and let that kind of sit there just for a little bit. Because you don't have to quote Scripture all the time. You can if you want to. You don't have to come up with all the old Hebrew ancient names for God. You can say, hey, Jesus, I need your help. That easy. Sometimes you just talk to God. Paul actually uh, lays this out in a very simple and what I think a beautiful way, but the context of his situation actually says a lot. Paul writes this thing in Philippians 4, 6. He writes this uh, this, this section of scripture, and he's hoping, his goal is to get the gospel spread to Rome. And when you go to Israel and you actually see where they shipped Paul out to Rome, it's the very reason why we have the gospel as Gentiles today. So it's a very powerful moment in Paul's life. And so he's hoping that his hope is to get to Rome and to preach the gospel. And, and I don't know what he had dreams of, but if I think about going to a country and preaching the gospel, I'm thinking like in a city square and people are gathering around and people are getting saved left and right and all that great stuff, kind of like what the original church in Acts did. But when he's writing this piece of scripture, he's not in a city square. He's not in an arena preaching to the multitudes. He's actually shackled to a guard being tortured, waiting for his execution. And in Philippians 4, 6, he writes this in the midst of his hardship. This is what he says. He says, don't worry about anything. Sure, I'm chained to a guard. Sure, I'm being beaten. Sure, I'm being tortured. Sure, I'm waiting for my head to be chopped off. But don't worry about anything. But just pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Craig Rochelle of Life Church, he says it this way. He says, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And let me tell you, we worry about the littlest things. So take it to the Lord in prayer. Like, actually pray about it. Because it's powerful. First Thessalonians, he, uh, the author says it this way. He says that you should actually pray without ceasing, meaning that you don't have to have a long, exhaustive, run-on sentence prayer. He's actually saying, you know, you can have little conversations with God throughout the day. It, it, maybe it can look like this. Maybe it's like when you pull over for an ambulance to pass you by saying, God, would you just be over them? Or maybe when you hear a helicopter fly by, like, Jesus, would you just be over those people? Or maybe you're writing evening and you see a beautiful sunset like, Jesus, you did a really good job tonight. I know that sounds silly, but let me tell you, it really corrects your spirit and it tunes it with God. That is why we pray. And that's why it says pray unceasingly and pray all the time. Sometimes you just talk to God. You can bring your burdens to God, but that he's not just a God that just wants to hear your burdens. He wants to hear your rejoicings as well. And so you can literally just talk to God. Sometimes this looks like, for me, even in my most frustrating moments, we're trying to uh, bed train our kids, meaning that they have a hard time sleeping in their own bed. Any parents here with me? <laughs> and so I'm with Aspen, our oldest daughter, and, and she sits there, and she just rocks back and forth. And so she just kind of goes there, and she wants to talk. And I'm getting tired, because it's like 1030 at night. I'm like, little child, go to bed. And go in there. And so, but she finally gets to this point where she's just like cuter than cute, where she's like in the midst of falling asleep. I'm like, man, she's like stinking adorable. But every time we get to that point, I'm like, God, thank you for my kid. Or if I see my wife, I'm like, Lord, thank you for my wife. Or like yesterday, I was out mowing the lawn. I'm like, God, thank you for, the, for, like, for this house. 
Like, I know that seems silly, but I've been in countries where they have not even a tenth of what I have right now. But God, thank you for this. In the light of Memorial Day, God, thank you for this freedom that I can have. Like, just talk to God. It's easy. You don't have to wait till Sundays or just when you're about to eat a meal to talk to him. He wants to hear your voice. So how, how do you pray? You just talk and do life with God. I mean, can, can I be honest with you? The longest time I ever pray, and if I, I rarely that I ever get that long, is every morning about 9 o'clock, I pray for about 30 minutes. And what it is, is just me getting focused with God. Through the rest of the day, I don't pray very long. In fact, it's just little things. Let God be with so-and-so. Father, would you help me out with this? Jesus, I need discernment right now. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at that? But that's what it looks like. You can just talk to God. And let me tell you, let me, let me tell you, when you do that, your life begins to change. It does. Even your language begins to change. The reason I discovered this eight years ago, because eight years ago before I stepped in ministry, I would cuss a whole bunch. Like, it was not good. It was not good. But as soon as I began to experience the power of prayer and being a talking to God out loud, my cussing stopped. Because instead of coming out of my mouth was cussing, it was talking to God. And you don't cuss before God. <laughs> and it begins to change. So let me encourage you, just talk to God. Just talk to him. As if when your children are talking to God as well. We hear that all the time as parents, don't we? You hear your kids talking to God. Do that too. It's not just a kid thing. Talk to God. So sometimes we talk to God. Here's the second one. When you pray, sometimes you vent to God. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you vent to God. First Peter 5 says, he says this in 5, 7, he says, give all your worries and cares to God. For why? Because he cares about you. It's okay to vent to God. Your God cares for you. So why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he want you to share your disappointments with him? The best way I can put this is when my kids, when I'm a good parent, uh, when my kids come before me and say, Dad, like I'm, like, I'm very angry. Like little Micah, he's our second oldest, uh, he's very good at just talking about his emotions. He'll come like, Dad, I'm like super angry right now. Like he'll say it, it's the cutest thing in the world. But he's like so ticked off or something, I don't know why. Or he's like, Dad, like I'm just so very, very mad at you. And as a good parent should in my good parent days, what do you do? You draw them closer. And you say, son, I'm sorry. And you might give them a hug and tell them that, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm going to help you work through this. Let me tell you, God the Father does the very same way when you bring your disappointments to him. He doesn't push you away and say, that's too much for me to handle. He doesn't push you away and say, go suck it up. He says, come closer. Let me show you how to get through this. It's okay to vent to God. It's, it's okay to be angry at God. Did you know that? It's okay to be disappointed at God. Because when you share that with him, that's when he intertwines his spirit with yours and he says, let me show you what's really happening. This happens so many times. When we found out that our daughter had Down syndrome, let me tell you, I wasn't like, praise Jesus, yada, yada. I was like, Lord, this really sucks right now. Why would you even do this? Or some things, uh, some things would happen in our life and we wouldn't understand. It was like Jill, when her, uh, her father was having a heart attack and her, her mom's on the phone and he's having a heart attack as, we, uh, as we're talking on the phone, we can hear him in the background. I'm thinking, Lord, why would you do this to my wife? Like, why would you want her to hear the last moments of his breathing? 
Why would you do that? Or when my buddy's over, uh, overseas and the troops doesn't come back home, my God, why would you do that to that family? It's okay to do that. It's okay. It's not okay to stay there. Because when you do that, God says, come, come closer, Juan. Let me help you through this. And let him do that. That's why it's okay to vent to God. In fact, I would encourage you, it's better to vent to God than it is on Facebook. It's okay to vent to God before you go to North Platte Rants on Facebook and you do your little stuff on there. It's better to vent to God than gossip to your best friend at the workplace. It's better to vent to God than yelling at your spouse or yelling at your kids. It's okay to vent to God. He's the best person with the biggest ear, and he wants to hear you. It's okay to vent to God. So sometimes you vent to God. Here's the third one. When you pray, sometimes you listen to God if the band wants to come up. Sometimes you listen to God. This is when you just stop moving this right here. You keep doing this and this and this and this. And you shut it. And you open your ears. And here's why. God is always speaking to you. In fact, I've had to kind of correct my language on this. I had to stop saying, God, I, I, when are you going to start talking to me? I had to say, God, would you help me like, close my mind down so I can hear your voice? Because God is always talking. He's always speaking. This is what God says in John 10, uh, John 10 27. Jesus said this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. Let me ask you, are you listening to God's voice this morning? Are you listening? He goes on further. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Billy Graham put it this way. He says, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. Meaning that if I'm talking to you face and face and face, it's not a conversation if I'm talking all the time. I need to shut up and I need to hear your voice. More times than not, we got to be quiet and listen to what God is saying to us. You have to hear his voice because he's always speaking to us. And here's the thing about listening to God's voice. Sometimes I, I think like we're waiting for like a massive sign. Like, Vaughn, here is God. Like that would be cool, would it not? It might scare me. But more times than not, God does not talk like that. How do you know God's speaking? He can talk in a voice. Sure, he can talk audibly. He can, he can also speak to you through song, through your worship. Did you know he can speak through your friends in your life? He speaks through my wife all the time. Thank God. He can speak through your kids. He can speak through your surroundings. The thing that you know you're supposed to do, but you didn't do it, and now your heart is feeling like it's kind of just being wrenched a little bit, that's God speaking. You see, God is speaking all the time. Sometimes you just have to be quiet and tune your ear to his voice. And you'll hear it. You'll hear it every single time. God is talking to you 24-7. Let me tell you something. If you're sitting here saying, like, I need a for sure way, Vaughn, I need a for sure way of knowing God is talking to me, Give me that. I can give you that this morning. You know what it is? Opening up your Bible and read it. That is God's living and breathing word. It's alive, it's active, and it's effective. If you want to know if God is speaking to you, just read your Bible. 
read your Bible. Vaughn, this sounds like super, like, like you teach your kids this. We do. Your kids are learning this downstairs right now. But something as adults, we don't grow out of. We stick with this. Sometimes we just got to listen to God. Spend a little time reading the Bible, and I guarantee you, when you read it, you will hear God's voice. So sometimes you talk to God, you vent to God, and here's the last one. At all times, you give thanks to God. All times you give thanks to God. There's not a point in your life where you stop thanking God. You thank God 24-7, in the good times, in the bad. Philippians 4, 6, one more time, let me read you this and go to verse 7. Don't worry about anything instead of pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's what? What does it say? God's peace, which exceeds anything we can possibly understand. His peace will guard your hearts and the minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, my wife and I, in our years of marriage, we've gone through ups and downs, good times and bad, um, but we've had trials, we've had bad situations, from things like miscarriage, unexpected diagnosis with our children, to not knowing where our next paycheck might come from, losing loved ones, and just going through life. But let me tell you that what we've made a habit of doing because it doesn't come naturally. Anytime something like that happens, don't pack up yet, and you need to hear this. When life hits you, we take it to the Lord in prayer. Every single time. Every single time. Well, Vaughn, that's a super holy of you. You're a great pastor. No, I'm not. Because more times than not, I don't want to do that. I don't. More times than not, I get angry at God. Sometimes I just want to tell God off. Because I don't understand. But I have to remind myself, no, 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 Vaughn. Slow your roll a little bit. Remember who God is. Remember what he says in scripture. Go to God and pray right now. First thing that we did after Jill had our miscarriage, we went to God in prayer. First thing that we found out Aspen had Down syndrome, we went to God in prayer. First thing that we found out that her dad was on the other end of the phone having a heart attack, we stopped right there in the middle of the street, pulled off the side, and we went to God in prayer. We pray every single time. And let me tell you, it doesn't come naturally because the devil, he doesn't want you to know the power of prayer. He'll try to take you and try to make you worry about it. But let me tell you, there's something powerful when you take it to God first in prayer. And it's the habit, I believe, that we need to get into. This is what we have found out, Jill and I. Prayer may or may not change your circumstance. Prayer may or may not change your circumstance. I have prayed and nothing has changed. I've done that time and time again. It's happened. But I've also prayed and I've seen miracles happen. And that's happened time and time again. Prayer may or may not change your circumstance, but prayer always changes you. It always changes you. When you pray, your spirit does not leave the same way it entered God's presence. Prayer always changes you. Read the last section of this hymn on the back of your message guide notes. Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what a needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry 
everything to God in prayer. One more time. What a peace we often forfeit. Who here wants some peace? Oh, what a needless pain we bear. All because of what? Because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. Let me tell you something about peace. True peace isn't the absence of problems. We think that's what peace is, but it's not. True peace is not the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. Saying, God, I see what's happening around me, but I'm okay. God, I know I'm going through something horrible right now, but I know you're going to be taking care of me. God, I don't like the situation I'm in right now, but I'm going to trust you. That's peace. That is peace. In fact, let me share this, and my wife would be okay sharing it. My wife, the day of, her, of our miscarriage, she rolled up to the women's center. And we're waiting for the heartbeat. She went by herself, and I was staying back with the kids. And um, she went up there, and uh, she prayed. She felt like she had to pray before she even went in. She's like, I just had this tugging in my heart. Like, I need you to pray right there. And she's like, what I prayed was something I would never thought about praying. She's, she just said, God, whatever happens, I love you. And she didn't know what was going to happen, but she's like, I felt like I needed to say that. And she went in and found out there was no heartbeat. And she came back, and we sat on our couch, and she broke the news. And we cried. We cried. But let me tell you, we had a peace through that entire situation. We went through that entire situation knowing that God is still good and he's still leading us in this life. You see, that's peace. That is peace. And that is why we take everything to God in prayer. Here in a moment, we're going to sing this hymn and I'm going to ask you to sing along with us. And Phyllis and I, we're going to be down here at the bottom and we're going to pray for you if you want prayer. But right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Can you stand? I want to pray. I want to pray for us. And we're going to sing this song. So if you guys can bow your head, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I pray right now that we would clear everything in our heads and that we would enter into your presence in prayer. God, maybe us today, like we're trying to find out, Lord, what, why am I going through this? Some of us in this room, maybe we got laid off from a job and we don't know what's going to happen. Some of us, maybe we're going through a difficult time with our spouse. Some of us this morning, we're having a difficult time with family. Some of us this morning, maybe in light of Memorial Day, we lost a loved one to war. Some of us this morning, maybe we don't even know you. Lord, right now we're going to take all of that in prayer. I only got one call this morning. If you're right here this morning saying, you know what, Vaughn, I, I don't have a good relationship with Jesus. In fact, I need to make that relationship right right now. Maybe this is the first time you're doing this. Maybe this is another time. Maybe you've had a walking away and saying, you know what, I need to get right with God. If that is you, we just slip your hand up. Yep, anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Father, right now, I pray that we take everything to you in prayer. 
God, that you would help make our hearts right with you. And Lord, knowing that it's not by our own strength that this happens, but it's by your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, here in a few minutes, we're going to be doing a time of worship and also prayer. And Lord, those of us, you're already speaking to us. You already know what we need. Right now, some of you, you have this kind of twinge in your spirit and your heart saying, you know, you need some prayer. I'm going to let you, I'm not going to try and manipulate you to come down, but I'm just going to say this. When you take that physical movement forward, hell and everything that it has starts shaking in their boots. It's because when you step towards God, something changes. And we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We're going to be available right here. So, Father, right now, we're going to take this to you in prayer. We're going to worship. We're going to sing loud. And we're going to say, Lord, what a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you, God, that you, you choose to have a relationship with us and you call us friend. Lord, we thank you for this. If you'd like prayer, you can go ahead and come down. We're going to pray for you. We're just going to ask that you line across the front of the row and we'll come by one by one and pray for you personally. The rest of you, don't sit down, don't check out, don't leave. Let's sing this hymn together, amen? If you need prayer, we'll be right down here.